This week on Myths and Legends, there are two stories from the Icelandic sagas. You'll see the terror of going to the bathroom at night, other than having to use the buddy system for your 11-seater bathroom, and that it's best to be thought a fool, and to also open your mouth and remove all doubt, because then everyone will do everything for you and leave you more time for arts and crafts. The creature this week is why your dog doesn't put on plays anymore. This is Myths and Legends, episode 269, Pride or Die. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. This week, there are two stories of Viking heroes who kind of break the mold. The first is about Hrydar, who wants to follow his brother on a trip to see the king. The only problem? Well, his brother thinks he's a fool. Thord looked things over. Welp, he was a merchant going out to do merchant stuff, buying low and selling high and all that. He was leaving Hrydar in charge of their late father's estate. Uh, yeah, the make sure it's locked up at night, there were some people to call in case of emergency, in that you just lean out the window and scream their names and maybe they'll arrive. And he left money for pizza too, though you might want to hold off on that because delivery will take about six centuries because pizza doesn't exist yet. Any questions? Hrydar pulled a bag out from behind him. One question. Could he come with? Thord sighed. They'd talked about this. No, he couldn't. Thord didn't think his brother was suited for travel. Because Hrydar was a fool. Like, really not smart. Hrydar looked to the ground. He knew. Bummer. Okay, true. Yeah, his brother was right. Hrydar couldn't even cook for himself. He was so not smart that, yeah, it was a better idea to leave him here, unattended on Iceland, the sole custodian of the entirety of their family's wealth. Hey, if people come asking for money, should he just give it to them or wait for them to maim or kill him and take it? Thord said he hadn't really thought about that. Ugh. Okay. He would hire a steward and a team of guys, but yeah. Hrydar was right. Leaving a fool in charge of the family's wealth was maybe not a great idea. Okay, Hrydar could come with. Hrydar squealed and pulled a half dozen bags out from hiding, scooped them up, and ran for the docks. Brother, wake up. I heard an animal, Hrydar said, weeks later. They were at an inn in Bergen, Norway, and Hrydar had been up since dawn. They had been denied an audience with King Magnus the previous day. Everyone had. The king was tired from travel and wouldn't have supplicants annoying him before he was able to get some sleep. Thord was forlorn, but Hrydar stayed chipper. While his brother sulked, he walked around town, and everyone marveled at his size and, quote, ugliness. They also laughed at him for talking with anyone and everyone he met, which, you know, hilarious middle ages, top-notch humor, guys. 
anyway, he said he had heard a strange animal's call on the wind. It was a loud, shrill whistle. Oh, that's a trumpet, Thord noted, rubbing his eyes. The king was calling his assembly. Well, hey, you wanted to meet the king and I'm just a ridiculous fool, but maybe we should get up and go to the assembly before there's a line? Thord thought about it. Okay, yeah, he should probably go. You mean, we should probably go, Hrydar smiled. Thord said that no, the last place for Hrydar was a king's court. Hrydar replied, well, he was still going. And Thord was literally incapable of stopping him. So, did Thord want him to go unattended? Because he might say or do something embarrassing, being a fool that he is. Or he could go with Thord, or his brother could keep an eye on him. And... That's how Hrydar got an audience with the king. Well, almost. You see, at the assembly, Thord, who was a merchant on the rise, was able to get an audience with King Magnus. While King Magnus was talking with Thord, the king noticed a man in the back, towering over the crowd. Hrydar wasn't saying anything, but it was clear from his face that he was very invested in the conversation happening, and he was super proud of Thord. Who's that guy? King Magnus asked, leaning forward on his throne. Thord didn't even have to look. He already knew. He turned and saw his brother giving him a thumbs up and mouthing, You're doing great. It's going great. Love you. That's my brother, Thord said. There was a quiet, Woo! Got a shout out! From the back of the room. King Magnus nodded approvingly. Another Thord out there. <laughs> Very nice. Thord said, not exactly. Hrydar was his brother, but that was where the similarities ended. Magnus nodded, uh, okay. Thord went on. His brother was big while Thord was below average height. His brother was called ugly while Thord... <laughs> Thord was quite handsome. And Hrydar... Let's say Hrydar wasn't called a genius when he was young. Still, the king interjected before this went to even more of a hurtful place. And yeah, some big issues were coming out during Thord's audience with the king. Your brother may be a good man in many ways, the king said, trying to wrap things up on a polite note. You know, I didn't even want to bring him, Thord laughed nervously. But if I left him in Iceland, he might bankrupt us. He even begged to come here today thought seeing you would bring him, I don't luck or something ridiculous. And why would me blessing my subjects be ridiculous? King Magnus asked. Thord started to walk that back, but Magnus said, All right, it was time to make someone's day. Bring him up here. What? Thord's face blanched. He tried to say, Really, that was not necessary. But Hrydar was already barreling his way through the crowd. And when he had an audience with the king, Hrydar just stood there, smiling. Thord buried his face in his hands. Magnus said, so was there something he could help Hrydar with? Or Hrydar said, oh, you're doing it. All he wanted to do was look at the king. The king said, cool, well, here he was. Was Hrydar happy now that he had seen the king? Hrydar said that he was, but he could be happier. He hadn't looked at the king very carefully. Magnus asked, oh, would the Icelander like it if he stood up? Hrydar's smile grew wider. Oh, absolutely. 
The king stood up and gave a little twirl. Hrydar smiled. Very nice. Magnus asked if the man had seen him well enough now. Hrydar said, eh, yeah. Magnus sensed some hesitation. This was Hrydar's one chance. Ask him anything. Hrydar said he could see the king. Sure, but the king was still wearing his cloak. So, you want me to take off my cloak, the king replied, squinting. Hrydar said, yes, please. The king hesitated. Uh, well, he knew Icelanders were smart, super clever. And he wasn't just saying this because the work the story is sourced from was written by Icelanders. This was getting a little weird now, though. How did he know Hrydar wasn't trying to play a trick on him? Hrydar said that first. The king was so smart that no one would be able to play a trick on him, and Hrydar didn't even need to get to the second reason. King Magnus threw off his cloak and, to quote Kramer, told Hrydar to help himself to an eyeful. He could examine the king as closely as he wanted to. The king was still dressed. This was weird, but not that weird. In front of the court, Hrydar circled the king and just mumbled, Oh yeah, that's nice. Excellent, excellent. As Hrydar stood before the throne and Magnus put his cloak back on, Magnus asked if the Icelander had seen as much as he wanted. Hrydar smiled. Oh yeah. And what do you think of me now? The king asked, in the most loaded of all questions. Hrydar, remember, the fool, parried, saying that Thord had not exaggerated the king's good points. King Magnus, though, really wanted to pin him down. He wanted to know if Hrydar could find any fault with him. Hrydar said that he didn't want to find any fault. Point something out, the king said, his smile fading. Hrydar said, okay, um, the king's eyes, they weren't level. One eye was just a little bit higher than the other. It wasn't noticeable unless you were really looking, but then you could definitely spot it. King Magnus shrugged. Yeah, his jerk of a colleague and cousin King Harold Fairhair had pointed that out, so that was legit. All right, he told Hrydar to take off his own cloak. His turn. Hrydar didn't hesitate. He flung off his cloak and stood there in his filthy glory. He had gone sightseeing instead of bathing the day before. Hrydar asked what fault the king could find with him. The king simply said that Hrydar was super ugly. He wondered if an uglier man than Hrydar had ever been brought up. According to one source, Hrydar nodded. That's what people tell him. All right, good points? The king looked him over. Uh, Hrydar's brother said that he was very even-tempered. Hrydar shook his head. That was true. He didn't like it, though. He felt like he couldn't ever get angry. The king smiled. Oh, that's cute. Well, this was an Icelandic saga, and he was the protagonist. It was literally only a matter of time before he got angry enough to murder someone. You really think so? Ryder replied, hopefully. The king smiled, of course. Now, what skills did Ryder have? Ryder shrugged. He didn't have a craft. Never tried anything, so he didn't know. They just told him he was a fool since he was young. And everyone has kind of done everything for him. The king shook his head. Well, he thought that Ryder could find something. You know, keep at it. Ryder said he wished, but they were traveling, so maybe some other time. King Magnus shook his head. Nonsense. It was almost winter. He could stay in the king's household and... Oh, was that like bad news to Hrydar? 
Rydar shook his head. Oh, no way. That was awesome. It's just that, ah, uh, he was such a fool. He needed his brother to look after him. The king said, oh, sure, whatever. Thord can stay too. Rydar squealed again, and he and his brother gathered all their money together for a fancy dress-up party. They were joining the household of the king. Things went well for Hrydar and King Magnus' household, because they actually went horribly, at least at first. The people and warriors in Magnus' household heard that Hrydar was a fool and teased him relentlessly. He just talked to them like they were treating him as an equal. They moved on to straight up beating him, but as mentioned, Hrydar was a big guy and not only didn't give them the reaction they were looking for, but any reaction whatsoever. They shrugged, gave up, and accepted him into the household. And no, the tactic of letting your bullies beat you until they get bored and their arms get tired is generally not a great strategy for dealing with that sort of thing, but it worked for Hrydar because he rose enough in the household to go before King Magnus with a pretty big ask. Okay, so you know how it was my dream to see one king? Rydar asked. King Magnus said yes with a smile. You're welcome, by the way. Rydar said, well, now his dream was seeing two kings in the same building. And dreams really can come true, because Magnus had been summoned by King Harold Fairhair, and Hrydar wanted to travel with Magnus's household and see the legendary king in action. Oh, and Harold Fairhair, too, Hrydar said with a wink. <laughs> Magnus blushed. Oh, you. But no, sorry, you can't come along. It's a sensitive political meeting. One of my followers killed one of his followers and we're meeting to reconcile. No offense, but subtlety is not your strong suit. And even though you're really even-tempered, I'm worried even you would get angry with one of Harold's guys. They are massive jerks. Hrydar said that now he wanted to go more than ever. Magnus said, look, he liked Hrydar, but he also noticed how Hrydar dealt with his brother, Thord. Hrydar shouldn't think that he can deal with King Magnus that way. Hrydar laughed. Of course not. No, King Magnus was way smarter than his brother, so it will be easier dealing with the vastly more intelligent king. Magnus leaned in closer. Go on. We'll see that when it comes to Hrydar. Flattery is the sincerest form of flattery, but that will be right after this. Thord was flabbergasted that Hrydar was allowed to go with the elite negotiators and warriors who accompanied Magnus on his trip to meet Harold. In the end, Magnus realized that Hrydar was going to just follow the group anyway. And since Magnus didn't want to physically hurt the guy, and realized that no one in his household could restrain Hrydar, he figured it was just easier to give in than try to fight the inevitable. Hrydar really wanted to go, but his horse didn't. Rather, his horse couldn't. Hrydar was so Game of Thrones, Mountain slash Hodor huge that his horse couldn't handle the weight and started to get tired to the point of exhaustion. The king, glad that the Hrydar problem was solved for him, said, ah, oh, so sorry, but Hrydar couldn't keep up. He should wait and rest his horse here then just head back home. 
Pridar slapped his horse in the rear, sending it back to Magnus's kingdom and shouldered his pack. Oh, yeah, he could keep up. Magnus said, wait, really? Pridar did some stretches, yeah. Let's go, let's do this. And he did. All the king's horses and all the king's men could barely keep up with Hrydar, running beside them. In fact, many tried to race Hrydar, and they had to walk their horses back home because their horses became so exhausted. The reduced force rode into Harald City, and Magnus and Hrydar sat next to each other at the feast. Magnus keeping Hrydar there so Hrydar didn't get into any trouble, and Hrydar sitting there because it's just nice to be included. Still, Hrydar couldn't follow Magnus everywhere, and the kings met in the 1100s equivalent of a smoke-filled room where it happened, leaving Hrydar with some Hrydar time. So, he joined a friendly group of Harold's guys for a walk in the woods, and, oh, it was an ambush. The guys, hoping to get some bullying in during their time off, jumped the only member of Magnus' crew trusting enough to go with them. As they shoved him back and forth between them, Hrydar giggled. Fun times. The men, winded, slowed down. Pushing Hrydar was like pushing a wall. They told him to stand in front of a tree. He did, and they just started throwing axe handles at his face. After a few scratches, Hrydar's laughter subsided. All right, guys, he was getting a little bored of this. He'd like to go back and see their king now. The men laughed. For the first time in a while, Hrydar wasn't laughing. What was so funny? A man stepped forward. What was funny was that Hrydar thought he would ever have an audience with the king. That would never happen. It wouldn't happen because they were about to, quote, send Hrydar to hell. Hrydar grimaced and then lit up. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, thank you. The Viking warrior said, for what? That was, that was a threat. Hrydar got how that was a threat, right? Hrydar nodded, oh yeah. But for the first time in his life, he wasn't even tempered. He was really, really angry. He was so full of intoxicating, powerful emotion. Oh my God, thank you. The man said, oh, yeah, cool, no, no problem, I guess. Hrydar said, oh, I wonder what happens when I act on it. He grabbed the Viking, lifted him up, and flung him around like a rag doll until there wasn't a whole lot left of him to fling around. He settled down. Oh, wow. Okay, some life lessons here. Anger, powerful, sometimes unavoidable, maybe even righteous. Acting on that anger, not as satisfying as you'd think. You might end up covered in bits of brain, holding some guy's arm thinking, did this make things better? Probably not. Magnus agreed when Hrydar told him all of this and that he really didn't like being angry. He wasn't going to do it again. While Hrydar was musing on anger and the effects of acting on it, Magnus was cramming a go-bag full of cloaks, mead, and dried meat. Cool life lessons, but now Hrydar had to leave the city. Magnus was sending Hrydar to Opland, to the home of one of his nobles, Ivand. Even there, he wasn't sure he could protect Hrydar, but it would be better than staying here. He told Hrydar to go. He would say, fly, you fool, but thought it might hit a little close to home for Hrydar. He would send word to Hrydar when he could return safely after Magnus worked it out with Harold. But he didn't work it out with Harold, and everything that Magnus and Harold had agreed on was dismembered faster than, well, Harold's guy in the woods. The two kings parted, with Harold vowing to bring Hrydar to justice.
two weeks later, a scout ran back to Ivind. It was him, King Harold. He had arrived. Wait, that's not good, right? Hrydar was not great with names, but he only knew two kings, so that made pretty quick work of that problem. No, it's not, Ivan confirmed. He looked over the man. Ivan had staked his own life on protecting Hrydar's, and even though he didn't really believe in this mission, he didn't know what the king saw in this guy, he would not fail. The forge. Hide Hrydar in the forge. Lay out a feast. It would be okay. Harold was likely just combing the area, looking for the man. They could bluff him. But if they couldn't, huh, they had something Harold wasn't expecting. Minutes later, a troop of 60 men churned the snow to muck in the road, and their leader, King Harold Fairhair, dismounted from his horse. Ivan invited the king inside to the feast. The feast with plenty of mead. As the unwelcome guest partook in the free food, Harold sat next to Ivan. So, grizzled henchman, huh? How's that working out for Ivan? Ivan said that he was drinking mead with the king, so pretty well. Harold said, well, if Ivan was ever looking to make a change, maybe move up from henchman to like a number two position, Harold was hiring. All Ivan had to do was tell him where Hrydar was. Ivan said as tempting as an offer as that was, he couldn't do it. He just didn't know. You see, Hrydar wasn't within a thousand miles of this hall. He, Ivan, Ivan, is King Harold there? I know he's hunting me, but I really want to meet him. <laughs> Ivan chuckled as Harold looked at him. That wasn't anything. That could really be anybody. Their blacksmith was super chatty. And Harold was probably just hunting a lot of people, right? Also, I made something for him. When you hid me in the forge, I had time to try some crafts. And it turns out I'm really good at it. Me, Hrydar, good at crafts. Can you believe it? Crafts! Ivan sighed. And Harold told him to go open the door. Ivan nodded. Yeah. Ivan went to open the door, looked at Hrydar, and whispered that the devils would take him when he met his death. Hrydar approached the king, bowed low, and said that he made a pendant for King Harold. Harold moved his hand away from his sword and said, he was literally trying to kill the man, and Hrydar was making him trinkets? Hrydar explained that he never really had time to try a craft, but he went to the forge and started messing around in there with some silver and gold, and boom, pig pendant. Harold marveled at the man. Not only at the stellar pig pendant, which he passed around for the whole room to see, but that Hrydar would just come out like that. And look at the size of this guy, too. Harold had heard about how Hrydar had ragdolled one of his best men. This guy. This guy would make a brave and interesting number, too. Hrydar said that he was totally up for that. Then, a shout came up from the back of the room. Hey, hey boss? The pig? Harold went to investigate and Hrydar stood there, a little confused. So, I'll confess to not getting this, and I still don't get it completely. Basically, Hrydar crafted the pig pendant with udders, teats, as the story says, which means that it was a female pig. I can't find anything spelling this out, and I know we have some experts in this area listening. So please, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'll post the update on the site. My understanding of why this would make Harold and his men immediately reach for their weapons to try to kill Hrydar because of such a slight was that Viking Age men were extremely touchy about what they perceived to be masculine ideals. 
when you're a king in that culture and someone makes you a really nice pig pendant and that pig, I guess, happens to be female, well, this is, I guess, grounds for summary execution. Harold stomped up to Hrydar. Was this his idea of a joke? Hrydar shook his head. He, he wanted to make something nice for the king. Harold chucked the pendant at Hrydar and said, Nice. He compared the king with a pig, which apparently wasn't that big a deal, but a female pig? Horrible. Prepare to die. But Hrydar didn't. He caught the pendant, looked at it, and his head drooped. The men of the hall charged with their weapons, but Ivan's men rose from the table, their own weapons concealed, and stopped Harold's guys. The guys that they couldn't stop, and the ones outside, followed Hrydar out of the hall and into the snow. But the big guy didn't even notice. He was having a bad day. He tried to do something nice, but Harold literally threw it back in his face. He pushed the surrounding warriors to the side and ran off into the woods. The warriors would have straight up killed him, if not for the more guys Ivan had hidden out in the forest. Hrydar left the warriors to battle it out while he walked off into the night and worked out his feelings. Anyway, that's how I came here, Hrydar explained to King Magnus. Magnus said, that's... Hrydar walked all the way here? That's like 200 miles. Yeah, it's a long walk. King Magnus looked the pendant over. Well, not only was it really well made, it was a solid joke, too. Magnus had seen guys executed for less. Hrydar still didn't get it, but he was glad to help out. Oh, no, you, you didn't help out. Magnus went to his map with the little wooden guys to represent his forces. He was in all-out war with Harold because of Hrydar. Hrydar tried to apologize, but Magnus said, uh, don't worry about it. Harold was a jerk and it probably would have happened anyway. Look, he liked Hrydar, so he wouldn't have Hrydar executed. Hrydar said right on. He liked Magnus too. Magnus said that, still, he couldn't have Hrydar in court. Hrydar had stalled peace talks and started a major war with a pig pendant. Magnus wanted to pay the man to leave forever. How did an island sound? It was just off the coast of Norway to the west. He could hide out there in safety for the rest of his days. Hrydar smiled. Sounded awesome. Magnus grinned. Excellent. All right, well, all right, well, there you go. Hrydar was now the proud owner of an island. Sweet. Hrydar started rubbing his hands together. He was Icelandic, and this island was between Norway and Iceland. He would use the island to unite the two nations. He would have someone pen missives immediately, telling all the kings to come out to the island to join Hrydar in bringing people together. Magnus nearly choked on his meat. No, no, that's the opposite of hiding out. Don't do that. Hrydar said that, one, as of ten minutes ago, it was always his dream to unite Iceland with the rest of Scandinavia, and two, it was his island. He could do what he wanted with it. After going back and forth about how sending out letters, letting everyone know he was there, completely defeated the purpose of hiding out, Magnus gave up and just bought the island off of Hrydar, booking him passage on the next ship back to Iceland. After wreaking havoc for a year or two in Norway, Hrydar returned home triumphant. He let his brother keep their farm and their late father's estate, and he settled in the north, in a place that was renamed... Hrydar stood here, thanks to Hrydar's largesse in the area. It's said that Hrydar once thought a fool 
appeared to have grown out of that foolishness that he had in the first half of his life. He lived and died as a well-respected person and a powerful figure. I loved how in the story, Hrydar is a truly unexpected medieval hero. He's considered a fool with no discernible skills. He's ugly. Remember that in these old stories, beautiful equals good. And Hrydar's own brother even says that he looks like a criminal, which, yes, is wrong on a bunch of levels. But Hrydar uses everything to his advantage, even people's perceptions of him as a fool, to come out on top. Up next is a short story about how you shouldn't go to the bathroom at night. But that will be right after this. King Olaf waved his hands to the guys. All right, all right, everyone settle down. He knew he was a guest here, but to party with King Olaf, he had to stick to two ground rules. First rule, have a good time. Meat horns sloshed all around. All right, they could do that. Olaf smiled. Second rule, no bathroom breaks. Well, okay, no bathroom breaks alone. If you had to use the bathroom after dark, take a buddy. The cheers for this were more confused, but still, okay. Fun party. Olaf toasted the group, saying that those were his only two rules. Have fun, no bathroom breaks alone. All right, party time. There was so much mead flowing that it wasn't difficult to find a buddy to go out to the outhouse. And this thing wasn't a single seater either. It was a structure where 11 people could sit side by side. And an outhouse of this size was fairly common in the ancient medieval world. The night went on and soon it was winding down. Guys were passing out at the tables and laying down by the fire. Everyone was feeling pretty good, except for Thorstein Thorkelson. I don't know about you, but when I can't go to the bathroom, like when I just can't leave or whatever, that's when I have to go the most. Thorstein was the same way. He knew that the visiting king told them to use the bathroom with a buddy, but all of his buddies were passed out. He didn't want to bug anybody. So he threw on his heavy cloak and made for the door. The snow crunched underfoot until he found the door to the outhouse, illuminated only by moonlight. It swung open, Thorstein took the seat by the door, and relaxed. Oh, using the outhouse by yourself. I thought King Olaf would have warned you guys against that, he heard from the darkness to his left. Nine seats down, a draugr, a Norse undead, sat on the farthest of the seats. Thorstein said, hi, who or what are you? The Draugr smiled, his rotten teeth twinkling in the moonlight. Oh, he was Thorkel the Thin. He fell fighting King Harold Wartooth. And how did you get to my outhouse? Thorstein asked the unusually chatty zombie. Oh, from hell. When you finish, I'm going to drag you back with me, the zombie said. Okay, Thorstein said. Hey, since they both had a minute, would the Draugr mind answering some questions about hell? The Draugr, or the zombie, might have said that Thorstein would be seeing what it was like very soon, but he was bored too. He had been hanging out in a bathroom waiting for someone to come in alone, and he was happy to talk about anything. Sure. What did Thorstein want to know? Thorstein asked, In hell, who endured torture the best? The zombie said, Oh, hands down, Sigurd Fafnisbane. 
You remember Sigurd, one of the Volsungs who killed Fafnir? Episode 3D? Thorstein said he knew, but wow, what kind of torment does he have to go through? The zombie said that he kindles the oven. Thorstein said that that didn't sound so bad. The zombie grinned again. Sigurd was the kindling. Thorstein said that, that, okay, that was a bit different. Okay, who has the worst time? The zombie laughed. Oh, that would be Starkad the Old. Really, the second greatest hero from the legendary sagas? What's his punishment? The zombie said that he's up to his ankles in fire. Oh, you should hear him scream. The zombie moved over a few seats, closer to Thorstein. Thorstein said that fire up to your ankles compared with using yourself as kindling didn't sound so bad. The zombie replied that, oh, he was upside down in fire. Eh, Thorstein admitted that that was worse. He's a screamer, though? The zombie moved a seat closer. Oh, yeah. I'm almost done here. Can I just, like, hear what that sounds like? Thorstein chuckled. The zombie said, sure, all right. To kill time before he killed Thorstein, he threw back his jaws, and a scream rocked the outhouse. Thorstein was shaken by it, breathed deeply. Oh, the zombie asked, what? Thorstein said nothing, just, really? That was the best the Draugr could do. The zombie said that he was dealing with some lung stuff, you know, decomposition and all. He could do better. Well, let's hear it. Convinced, the zombie did do better. So much better that Thorstein fainted a little bit. But still, what he was hoping to happen hadn't happened yet. When he picked himself up off the bathroom floor, Thorstein managed a, oh, that's, that's all you got, huh? The zombie said, admittedly, he could do a little bit better, but... So Thorstein told him to quit dancing around it. He wanted to hear the Starcad scream. The zombie was right next to him now. Okay, last time, and then he was dragging Thorstein to hell. He threw back his head and screamed a scream unlike any Thorstein had heard. That one did it. Finally, it roused someone in the mead-soaked hall, and they rang the bells of a nearby church in alarm. The zombie fled in terror, and, pants at his ankles, Thorstein staggered back to the hall, dove into his sleeping bag by the fire, and pretended to snore. So, you went to the bathroom by yourself then, Olaf said. Before Thorstein could deny it, King Olaf said that he was the one who rang the bell. And he also saw that Olaf wasn't there last night. Thorstein said, yeah, he had done it. And you met the Draugr? Yeah, what is up with that guy? Oh, I, I don't know. He's a zombie demon who hangs out in bathrooms I'm near. It doesn't make sense and I don't know how to kill it. So, yeah, buddy system. King Olaf shrugged. Well, thank you for ringing the bell last night. And scaring it off, Thorstein said and apologized. Hey, was he scary? Olaf elbowed Thorstein. Thorstein said, nope, he wasn't scared. Not at all, Olaf asked. Thorstein shook his head. Not at all. Not even a little, not even a shiver. Well, Thorstein guessed that maybe he had a shiver down his spine, but there was an angry bathroom zombie. Olaf stood, pointing at Thorstein and laughing. Thorstein shiver! He's now Thorstein shiver because he was so scared of the bathroom zombie. The room broke out in laughter. Ha! Thorstein was invited to Olaf's household and to follow him on his travels. 
but he forever kept the name Thorstein Shiver because he shivered once at a bathroom zombie. This story came from the tale of Thorstein Shiver. So yeah, safe to say that the name stuck. Next week, we'll be back in the stories of Hans Christian Andersen. That episode needed a little bit more time, so you got Norse toilet zombies first. If you're looking for something else to listen to, there's a fun Sherlock Holmes episode on Fictional this week, where Sherlock tries his hand at some crime. It does not go well. And best of the worst, our twice-weekly minicast has the original version of Spider-Man that came out 10 years before Marvel's Peter Parker, and who's just a sad man in a fuzzy spider costume lugging around an icing bag full of webbing. The creature this week is the Mimic Dog from European folklore. At face value, the Mimic Dog is exactly what it sounds like. Almost. It's dog-like, in a way that a fuzzy hedgehog would be dog-like. So, not really? It does seem like the closest descriptor that makes sense for the Mimic Dog, Regardless, I'm dwelling too long on the one part of the Mimic Dog name that isn't very interesting, because yes, it mimics stuff. I thought it was just like human speech and stuff, but no, it can do it all. It can follow along motions, mimic speech. Plutarch, a Greek writer, even described the definitely real and historical account of a Mimic Dog putting on a one-man show. One dog show? People maybe think that they originated from apes. Apes that were friendly with dogs or hedgehogs. But many writers treated the mimic dog like a serious scientific thing for many years. So a dog that can talk to you, do prank phone calls, and wants to help your struggling theater troupe sounds awesomely wholesome and adorable. Well, we wouldn't be humans without finding some way to horrifically exploit it, would we? According to one source, mimic dogs were sold for their ability to act as unquestioning, unconsenting servants, which, yeah, that's slavery. And if you were sick, you could, no joke, grind up your mimic dog, distill them, and cure some symptoms of rabies, and make an ointment that made some cuts heal faster. Hey dad, what happened to my talking dog? Oh, sorry, we were out of Neosporin and I didn't feel like running to the store. People think that the mimic dog, if it ever existed, was likely a misidentified baboon, or an early version of what would become the poodle. That being said... Not sure how many poodles are putting on one-animal shows. Maybe they got smart. Well, smarter, and decided to hide their speech. So humans would stop using them as servants. And ointment. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. The theme song is by Broke for Free. And the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to more of the music we used in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.